Good morning to you. Nice to see you uh, here today. We're glad that you have joined us on this last day of uh, 2023. I read the other day that a lot of couples had saved this date actually to get married on because today for 100 years ago, I guess it was before, today is 123123. Today is 123123. So 123123. So you could remember uh, that, that that way. Anybody going out partying tonight? I want to admit that oh, there are a few of you here. Yeah, they can imagine how late you're going to party there, old man. <laughs> you know, me, I, I might stay up till 9 o'clock instead of going to bed at 8.30. You know, I, I think that's the way you can tell when you're finally getting older is, is when holidays like this really doesn't, doesn't mean quite so much any, any, anymore. But anyway, boy, I tell you, 2023 went by quick, didn't it? It really did. And here we are on the, on the cusp of a brand new year. I did see a sign the other day. I thought it was pretty interesting outside a Dairy Queen. And it said, it said helping you ruin your New Year's resolutions since 1967. So I guess, I guess that that's, probably, that's probably, probably true. But for any reason, I hope that, I hope that you have a good night tonight and a great holiday tomorrow as we start into this, into this new year. Is it just me or does everybody just seem a little bit down today? Maybe, maybe it's Christmas is over. You know, did, did you not get what you wanted for Christmas? Was that, is that it? Or, huh? Yeah, I didn't get sleep for Christmas. Yeah, it was so funny. I, we, we were at Sarah's house uh, the other day. We went down after Christmas, actually, and I was sitting on the couch with my granddaughter, and she opened up a little package. It was about this long and about this wide, and she, she unwrapped it, and, and she looked at it, and then she just kind of tossed it on the couch, and I said, Finley, what was that? I couldn't see it, and she picked it up. She said, it's hair bows. Give me another one. It's his hair bows, and... <laughs> I did scare my grandkids to death, though, because they, you know, they had all these presents there. And I said to them, I said, guys, listen, we're going to do it a little bit different this year. Each of you are going to get to open one present, and then we have to, you got to play with that for three days, and then we'll open up the next one. And, and Jack was like, oh, I think they thought I was serious for half a second. And that was, it was funny, but it was a, it was a good, good, good time. Well, you know, several weeks ago when we started talking about, you know, our sermon planning through my, my tenure here, I said to you that we were going to, we were doing the Psalm of 23rd Psalm, we were going to do four weeks Christmas and talk about the holy moments of Christmas, and then we're going to come back a couple of days or a couple of weeks and finish up the 23rd Psalm. So that's what we're doing uh, today. And so we're going to start with the, we're going to do the 23rd Psalm today and next week. And then the, fi- the final Sunday, I've got a special message that I want to share with you. But we're going to finish up the 23rd Psalm today and, and, and next week. So let me just turn with you to the, to the text here, to this beautiful Psalm. You know, if you remember a few weeks ago, I actually said to you that, that the 23rd Psalm is like sitting down with an old friend. You know, when you come back to the Psalm, there's just... There's just something new, there's something beautiful, there's something that, that jumps out at you. You know, there's probably not, other than John 3.16, there's probably another, not another passage of Scripture, verse of Scripture that is as familiar as, as this one. But boy, when you just sit down and meditate on this, when you pray this psalm, when you read it slowly and let it sink into your soul and your spirit, it, it's an amazing thing. So as we begin today... Let's just read, and let's just read together. Would you join me? Let's just read the 23rd Psalm together as it's before you. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you, God, for your wonderful, wonderful word. Well, today I would like to focus in on the fourth verse of Psalm 23. Of course, we're all familiar with the fourth verse of Psalm 3, that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, I think when we come to this part of the 23rd Psalm, I, 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 I think about and my mind goes to, to, to a recipe and how important it is that you follow every part of a recipe, that you don't leave anything out. You know, that you, don't, that you don't cut corners, that when it asks for a cup of something, you use, you use a cup of something. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've actually tried to, to do something in the kitchen. By the way, I will say, as God is my witness, I'm getting better as I get older. I really am. I, I think the internet has done wonders for my cooking abilities, you know, especially when they show you pictures. But still, you know, I, I found how important it is to follow a recipe Exactly. You ever, you ever left something out? I remember my mother, you know, and she was a great cook, but she cooked mostly from memory. And I remember there were times that, that she would lay, leave something out. And most of the time, she, when she left something out, you know what happened? It went in the garbage. I mean, that's how important it is that you follow, that you follow a recipe, that you understand what needs to be, what needs to be there. And I think a lot of times when we, when we as Christians think about the Word of God, we need, to think about, we need to think about the Word of God in the terms of a, of a, of a recipe. And in, verse 20, and in Psalm 23, I want to say to you that, that in Psalm 23, that every word is powerful, that every word is important. I think about Psalm 23 in the light of what Paul says in the New Testament when he said that, that, that every word is God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, for correction, for rebuke, for training in righteousness. That you don't, you know, that the, Bible, that the Word tells us that we, don't, that we don't take anything away from the Word. Every jot, every tittle, and we don't, we don't take anything away from it. We don't leave anything out. That God's Word is that important. And I think when we come to passages like the 23rd Psalm, every word is powerful. Every word is important. I remember some years ago, I was reading a book. I was on vacation, and I was reading a book, and, and I was way behind. So I started just reading each paragraph at the beginning of each chapter. And later on, after doing that, I got, I got the story. I got the gist. I found out what happened. I, I understood who did it. But then in talking to somebody else who, who loved that same author, and they found out that I'd read that book, they started asking me questions about this or about that or about this episode or when this was said or when this was done. And I kept saying the same thing. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Was that part of that book? 
It's because I had left out. Although I got the gist of it, I didn't understand it fully. And I think the 23rd Psalm is like that. Every word is powerful. For example, even though I walk through the darkest valley, every word. You ever notice how in that, in that verse, he said that even though I walk through, through, not, not in, but through, that in this passage that God is trying to tell us that this idea of being affected by death is something that we, do, that we go through. It's not something that we stay in. It's not some place that we are resigned to. It's, it's something that we, go, that we go through. I can't tell you how many times I've read this passage or quoted this verse that when we go through the darkest valley to someone that was actually in, in, this, in this season of dying. And I've always tried to encourage that, you know what? This is something you're going to go you're going to go through because you're going to you're going to go through this and then you're going to realize the promises of God. We have a we have a we have a neighbor. It's interesting because she has a she has a she has an interesting tattoo that that one day I, I said something to her about it and 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 it, and it and it talks about that adage that this too will pass. That's, that was the tattoo. And I, I couldn't read the words but I you know and she said, you know, it says this too will pass. It's up here on her shoulder, I think. And, you know, I said, well, what, does that, what does that mean to you? Well, what it means is that, is that I just need to understand that whatever I'm going through, whatever's going on today, whatever's difficult today will be resolved tomorrow. And with God's help, we're going to make it, we're going to make it through this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, you will not stay in the darkness of death. Isn't it interesting that when people talk about dying, they always talk about seeing a great light, light at the end of the tunnel. It's interesting that the Bible describes heaven as not having any sun because it's not needed because Jesus is there. He's the light of the world. And as we, as we embark on this new year, I think that we, we, we do ourselves well if we recognize that whatever we're going through that is difficult now, that it's through, not in. We don't have to stay there. We don't have to reside there. We don't have to build our permanent residence there. But that God will help us through that time and get us and help us to reach a time that is even better. He also says that through this time, I will, I will fear no evil. I will fear no, no evil. It's interesting what the, what the presence of God brings us. It brings us a a comfort, a comfort that the word that the Bible says that the world can't understand. Peace that passes all understanding. You know, it's amazing to me how many stories there are in the Bible of of, of Daniel's in a lion's den, but he, he doesn't feel fear. Why? Because because God is there with him. You know, when you have all the you know, you have you have King David who wrote this this psalm and he's out in the wilderness and he tells how he encountered a bear and, and encountered lions and he encountered the, the giant Goliath, but he didn't see any fear. Why? Because God was with him. He defeated Goliath based on his understanding that Goliath had insulted his God. And while everybody else shrank and ran away in fear, David did not because he knew that God was there with him. Listen, folks, fear, fear can only come around and affect us when we think that we're all alone talked to you a couple weeks ago about Elijah. 
He was afraid under a tree and asked God to take his life. Why? Because he said, I'm all alone. It's just me. The disciples are in a boat and there's a great storm on the lake and the, and the boat is being tossed to and fro and they were afraid of their life. So what did they do? They went to Jesus and Jesus calmed that storm. You see, we can choose to engage the storm or we can choose to be outside the storm looking in at the chaos. I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when they came to arrest Jesus and Peter and, and all of his rage cut off the guy's ear. And Jesus said, if, we, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Jesus had another way. He had calmness. And there's example after example in the Old Testament of how, of how God went with his people in battle and how he, he gave them strength to overcome even during times of great battle. You see, here's what I know. I know that the presence of the shepherd did not eliminate evil, but eliminated the fear of it. What does the Bible describe? The Bible describes in the New Testament that if, we, that if we take the devil head on, that he will flee from us. That he has no choice but to flee from us. The presence of the shepherd did not eliminate the evils. There were still wolves around. There were still predators around. There were still robbers and thieves around. But the presence of the shepherd, while it did not eliminate evil, it eliminated the necessity to be afraid of it because they knew that the shepherd was going to care for, for them. Matter of fact, the 23rd Psalm talks about how we can have comfort from the rod and the staff. From the rod and the staff. I want you to think about two things in relation to that. Number one, I want you to think about finding comfort in the discipline that comes from God. And I want you to find comfort, comfort from the from the leading that comes from God. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know how many people can really, you know, have the faith that they need to look at, to look at discipline as a comfort. But I, but I remember, you know, when our kids were younger, I remember Arlene and, you know, we, we would have this conversation how about, how about, about kids really want boundaries. Kids really want to be, to be, to be disciplined. I remember one time Arlene saying to our girls, when the girls brought something up about, hey, you know, what about my friends? I remember Arlene saying, listen, you go, you go tell your friends that it's me, that I'm the one that's saying this is the way it's going to be. You don't have to, you know what I'm saying? Put it on the shepherd, the sheep putting it on the shepherd because the sheep, the sheep want the discipline. They want the correction. They want to know what's right and wrong. And let me tell you something, folks, if you're, if you're here today and you have little kids or little grandkids, if, if you're not actively doing this, the world's going to. And the world is going to teach them a whole different set of values than, than we will teach them. We have to learn and understand and appreciate the discipline of God. You know why? Because the Bible says that the Father disciplines those He loves. We should not see it as punishment or even as correction, but we should see it as love and devotion because God wants us to be the very best that we can be for, for him. Think about it. He says, thy rod, thy rod is a, is a, is a disciplinary term, and thy staff, thy, thy staff is like a is like a leadership term. You know, Moses had a staff, right? And what did he do? He held it up. And he, he used it, and God used it 
to part the Red Sea. Moses used his staff to strike a rock and water came from it. You know, the, 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 the staff is indicative of leadership and the rod is indicative of discipline. And as Christians, we should thank God that he both disciplines us and leads us in this way. Matter of fact, I think it's so interesting that he uses the word comfort. You know, I can't, I can't dare say really that, that, that the rod of discipline from God, really can we, can we, can we look at it as comfort? Or as the, the, the staff and the leading and the prodding and getting us on the right, you know, is that, is that comfort? You see, here's the thing. I think this idea from comfort is something that you look back on and appreciate, but don't necessarily understand as you're going through it. You know, it's hard, it's hard to look at, at discipline as something that is comfortable when you're going through it. But you know what? Now I look back at the way I was disciplined as a child, as a young person, and it, and it gives me comfort knowing, knowing how much I was loved and cared for, that I was loved enough to discipline so that I would know the right thing to do and the wrong thing to stay away from. I think a lot of times this idea of comfort comes, comes later as we look back with insight rather than as we're going through it in, in life. So as we're in it, let's try to remember that because that will help us as we go forward in Him. Psalm 23. Every word is powerful. God's going to take us through it and not leave us in it. That we don't have to be afraid of evil. Because even though he will not eliminate evil, he can eliminate our fear of it. And that we can experience comfort. Comfort from his rod. Comfort from his staff. As we trust in him, our great shepherd. It's a recipe. Recently, Arlene was out of town for a couple of days and I saw, I saw a recipe on, online and I decided I was going to do it because I hadn't had a good pineapple upside down cake in a long time. Now she would tell you that she's made them in the past, but I just can't remember when. That was, I was, that was supposed to be a little bit funny. Okay. <laughs> she's not laughing. But anyway, I, I went and I bought everything that I needed for this pineapple upside down cake and it was made in a, in a bunt pan and I had to I had to melt some butter and had to pour it in the bottom of that bunt pan. And then I had to put uh, brown sugar all over on top of that butter mixture in the bottom of that bunt pan. And then I had to take slices, half of a slice of a pineapple ring and stand it up in that bunt pan as it went around. And then I had to take a maraschino cherry and place in between each of those slices of that uh, pineapple in the bottom of that bunt pan. And then I had to put some more uh, brown sugar in that and then I had to mix up the cake batter you know the way it called for and then I had to pour that in there and then I had to then I had to bake it and let me just tell you something it was awesome it was awesome but you know why it was awesome because I had no idea what I was doing but I followed somebody's recipe that did and as long as we follow somebody's recipe that knows what they're doing we can be assured of the results. But when we take matters into our own hands, we always, we always mess it up. Think about Abraham and Sarah. God said, I'm going to give you 
descendants as numerous as the stars and the sand on the seashore. And they got tired of waiting. So Sarah said, hey, I got an idea. I got a maidservant over here. Her name is Hagar. Why don't we get her help? How did that work out? That's right. So listen, folks, let's trust in the shepherd because the shepherd knows everything that we need. And the words that he uses in Psalm 23, every word is powerful. He'll take you through the deepest and darkest valleys and he will comfort you with his rod and his staff. Father in heaven, well, Lord, what a joy it is to know you as shepherd, as friend, as our great shepherd, as our Lord, and as our Savior. And Father, I just pray that this morning that you would help us, Lord, as we contemplate what this great word says to us today. Lord, 23rd Psalm is like an old friend. And God, we can sit down with this old friend today and it can teach us so many things. Even though we've read it countless times, even though we can recite it by heart, by memory, there's still something new, Lord, every moment, every time that we open up our hearts to what you have to say to us here. So Father, as we, as we look toward this new year, we pray, Lord, for your guidance and for your direction. We pray, Lord, for your rod and your staff, that they would comfort us as they discipline us and as you lead us. And wherever we are in life, Lord, whatever we're going through, may we recognize that you are our great, great shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, please, and let's sing this wonderful song.